Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery, from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories, and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts, or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. Soundsington Media! Hey, Meredith, have you ever heard of black holes? Yeah, I think they have something to do with gravity. Do you think we'll ever get sucked into one? Well, Brian, you're in luck, because on today's episode of Reach, we'll answer these questions and more when we talk to a very special guest who studies black holes in the universe. And we have a very special guest star. Oh, really? Who is it? I told you, it's a star. I'm Brian Holden. And I'm Meredith Stepien. And this is Reach, a space podcast for kids. Welcome to our second episode of Reach, a space podcast for kids. We're having a great time with the show so far, and it's in large part thanks to you, our listeners, for sharing such great questions for our expert scientists. And one of the most popular questions, as it turns out, has to do with black holes. Black holes are so cool. They're such a mystery. We can't see them, but we know they're there. And we even have one in the middle of our galaxy. When I think of a black hole, I immediately think of any time I've seen it like in pop culture or sci-fi media or something like there's a spaceship full of people and they're like, push it, we got to get away from the black hole. And it's like trying to suck them in, you know, it's kind of scary. Here's what our listeners said when we asked the question, what is a black hole? A black hole is like an endless pit that nothing ever can escape out of because the gravity is so strong and it can even suck in light. And it goes, Got some smart kids out there, folks. That's right. But we thought we'd dig a little deeper. So we visited with a good friend of ours who studies physics, outer space, and, you guessed it, black holes. This week, we're thrilled to be joined by Dr. Geza Juk, who's the director of astronomy at Chicago's Adler Planetarium. Geza, thank you so much for joining us on Reach. Before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Uh, I spend some of my time doing research, learning new things about the universe, about asteroids and supermassive black holes, uh, and the rest of my time helping bring excitement of astronomy to people, teens and people on the floor, and visitors. Uh, that's some of the favorite parts of my job. Okay, so you talked about black holes, um, which is what I'm excited to talk to you about today because we've talked about black holes before. You know a lot about black holes. We're all pumped about black holes. They're so cool. Can you just start by telling us what is a black hole? Okay, so a black hole is simply put a region of space where the gravity is so strong and so powerful that nothing can escape. Not even the fastest thing in the universe, the light. Not even light can get out. And it sort of doesn't matter what a black hole originally came from. Once it forms, once the gravity is so strong, it becomes simple. It's just a black hole and all of the history and everything that it used to be just gets crushed out of existence. And it's just sort of this, this thing of gravity. 
Okay, um, here's a question. How close is the closest black hole to us? Ah, the closest black hole that we know of is about a thousand light years away. However, we're pretty sure that there are closer black holes. <gasps> so the closest one that we know of is about a thousand light years away, and that's about, uh, well, that's, that's a triple star system, and we detected it because uh, the black hole is pretty massive and it's dark and it's sort of swinging the other stars around and so we can tell that it's there. But there's all these black holes that are probably sort of floating there. And in fact, the closest one is probably at least somewhere around 50 light years away, 20 times closer, uh, just based on the numbers of black holes we think exist in the, in the Milky Way galaxy. So there's, there's one out there closer than that for sure. Okay, are we going to get sucked into that black hole? Not anytime soon. Okay. So black holes are, you know, are out there, but just like stars are out there, we're not going to get close to a black hole unless we're really, really unlucky. And it's only if you get close to a black hole that you're going to get sucked in. And so the chances are that some other star would get close to our own solar system much, much before, or much more likely to happen than that a black hole will get close. And black holes, you know, they can be massive, but they're not like cosmic vacuum cleaners. They don't just suck things in from long distances. So to be in danger, you have to be close to one. Phew. All right, so we're good for now. If we were to be sucked into a black hole, what what would happen? Okay, so... Do you want the long answer or the short answer? The um, short answer is you die. Okay, then give us a little bit of a longer answer. <laughs> so the long answer is that as you fall in towards the black hole, and this is even when you're still relatively far away, you know, maybe millions of kilometers or even more away, whatever part of you is closest to the black hole is going to feel the gravity more strongly because gravity decreases the further away you are from something. And a black hole's gravity is so strong that even that tiny difference between your head and your feet turns to be a big deal. And so your feet, say, if you're falling feet first in, will get pulled towards the black hole much, much, much more strongly than your head. And that'll stretch you as your feet fall towards the black hole faster than your head. And that'll stretch you and stretch you and stretch you and stretch you until instead of an astronaut, you'd resemble spaghetti. And that's what's called spaghettification. And so you'd just be literally stretched out until you're miles long. Wow. And squeezed too. So you really would turn into spaghetti. So if you can survive that... And, you know, maybe that's doubtful, but maybe you could if you're really, really tiny and made of something like diamond. Mm -hmm. For example, if, if you have a diamond engagement ring, a diamond engagement ring, at least the diamond part would survive all the way up to the event horizon. That's the edge of the black hole because it's strong enough and small enough. But once you fall through that event horizon, that the edge, the surface of the black hole, that's the point of no return. Remember I said that the black holes where light can't escape? Well, that's at the event horizon. Once you fall inside that, then you're doomed to go further and further and further in until eventually you hit the very center where all of the mass, all the stuff has been squeezed by gravity, and there you'll be crushed, inevitably. Whoa. So we can't see black holes at all. There's no light um, emitting from a black hole. How do we know they're there? Okay, so two different ways that we, we can tell that a black hole is there. One is its effect on other things. So imagine you have a star. Normally, a star just sort of sits there or maybe moves in a straight line as it's floating through the Milky Way. But if it's in a binary system, if it's orbiting around a black hole, or even if the black hole is orbiting around it, the gravity will tend to sort of push and shove uh, the, the, the star that you can see 
around. And so you'll be able to see the motion sort of making little loops. And if you don't see what it's looping around, then you have a guess that that's something that's pretty dark. And if it's dark and is pretty massive, then you can have a pretty good guess it's a black hole. And so that's especially true uh, for the black hole in the center of our own Milky Way galaxy. It's a monster, maybe four million times the mass of our sun. And yet we see very little light or radio or gamma ray or x-rays coming from it. Not much is coming from that location. And yet we see other stars zipping round and round. And so that's why we know there's a black hole. The other way that you can tell that black hole is that sometimes a little bit of stuff gets sucked in. The black hole decides to have a meal and maybe some gas or another star or something like that falls in. And as it, as the gas falls in, it squeezes and gets crushed and swirled around and smashed at such high speeds, at near the speed of light, that it gets very, the gas gets very, 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 very hot and starts glowing incandescently. And it can become, in fact, one of the brightest things in the universe. In fact, the brightest things, the quasars, which can be as bright as entire galaxies, we think are being fed or are produced because stuff, stars, gas, is falling down supermassive black holes. And so it's funny that a black hole can be both dark and bright. Wow. And when I think of the center of our Milky Way, I think of how from here, our vantage point on Earth, we can see that the Milky Way gets brighter toward the center of the Milky Way from our vantage point. But we know that that's because there's a black hole there that's that's condensing all the, right? Condensing all the stars toward that center. So the black hole is four million times the mass of the sun, and that's a lot. But the Milky Way galaxy is hundreds of billions of times the mass. So it turns out that the supermassive black hole doesn't actually affect the bulk of the stars. It has a strong influence only on the very, 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 very center of the Milky Way. And so the, uh, the, the bulge of the Milky Way, that sort of condensation of stars, that's probably not due to the black hole. However, <laughs> It turns out that the bigger the bulge in a black hole, uh, the bigger the central bulge in a galaxy, the bigger the black hole that's uh, there. And so we don't know why why the black hole size and the size of the bulge of stars is, is connected. And maybe it has something to do with how the black hole got formed, or maybe it has something to do with how the bulge got formed. But one way or the other, uh, we think there's a connection. Where do black holes come from? There are two different types of black holes. And one of them, we know where they come from. And the other, we don't know where they come from. So the type that we do know where they come from, those are the stellar mass black holes, the ones which are sort of, you know, a few times the mass of the sun and, and a bit up maybe to 10 or 20 times the mass of the sun. Those come from massive stars. Big massive stars, maybe 50 to 100 times the mass of the sun, which race through their lives, burning really, 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 really brightly, maybe as much as a million times as bright as the sun. And they just run through their lifetimes in just a million years or a few million years and then explode. And the remnant, what's left over, can collapse into a black hole. And so we think we understand how those uh, form. And, you know, we think we uh, see some examples of those. But the black holes that we actually know the most, or we have the most examples of, the supermassive black holes, there seem to be one in the center of almost every galaxy that we look at. And so that means that we know of millions of these supermassive black holes. Those, we don't actually know where they come from. 
And they're anywhere from maybe 100,000 times the mass of the sun all the way to 10 billion times the mass of the sun. And, you know, we sort of, we know they're connected probably with how galaxies form, but we don't really know exactly how they form. We're guessing maybe they came from other black holes that sort of fed on all the gas and dust in the centers of galaxies, or maybe they came from mergers of other black holes, uh, but we don't know exactly how they form. A mystery that needs to be solved. Exactly. That's what um, keeps things exciting. Yeah, but that's so exciting for you. And just the imagination runs wild thinking about it, you know? What happens when two black holes collide? Hmm. <laughs> when two black holes collide? Well, until recently, we had theory, but we didn't know. But in the past few years, uh, an experiment called LIGO, uh, Laser Interferometric Gravitational Wave Observatory, came online and actually detected colliding black holes from all the way across the universe. And from that, from that, you might be able to guess that incredible things happen when black holes collide because we can detect them all the way across the universe. In fact, they release so much energy in the form of gravitational waves, ripples in space and time, that for a brief moment, two of these colliding black holes were as bright as the rest of the universe combined. There a tremendous amount of energy released for, you know, a thousandth of a second. Just an incredible burst of energy. But the only effect with these ripples in space and time. And so they're almost indetectable. So in some sense, it's the most violent things that ever happen. Another way is they're barely noticeable. If you had been just as far away from uh, those colliding black holes as Pluto is from the Earth, you wouldn't even have noticed. <laughs> even though something as bright as the, or as powerful as the rest of the universe combined had just happened practically next door. So how do we detect them? Well, LIGO is a set of two uh, instruments which are incredibly sensitive. They're measuring the stretching and bouncing around of space and time to just incredible precision. It's like being accurate enough to measure the distance from here to Jupiter to a precision of a thousandth the width of, a, of an atom. And they're doing this continuously and constantly. Uh, and so they're looking for these tiny, 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 tiny burbles. Is that a word? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, it is now. Verbals. Uh, uh, in space and time and measuring those. And if you can detect those both in both places, one of them is in Washington State and the other is in Louisiana, then you can be pretty confident that that's not coming from something local because, you know, even small earthquakes that sort of might stretch and bounce around the, you know, the equipment aren't going to be happening in both places at once. Whereas a gravitational wave coming from space will, will affect both of them. Geza, thank you so much for joining us and letting us pick your brain about black holes, the coolest subject matter in the universe. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to, to be here. You blew our minds. Thank you. Thank you, Geza. Thank you. Brian, when I think of space, some of the first things I think of are stars. Did you know that a star is a huge glowing ball of hot gas, primarily made up of hydrogen and helium, that is held together by its own gravity? That's right. And you know what? The closest star to us here on Earth is our sun. Our sun is a star. Sometimes I forget. It's one of hundreds of billions of stars in our galaxy. We just happen to be orbiting around it. But we wanted to learn more about the stars, so we invited a good friend of ours to join us on this week's installment of Did You Know? Please welcome the great Nikki the Star. 
Nikki the star, thank you so much for being here. Hello, hello, what a pleasure. Yes, yeah, such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Meredith and Brian. I really appreciate it. Now, I would be more than happy to share. Did you know that stars twinkle because of movement in the Earth's atmosphere? That's right. It's more about the Earth's atmosphere than it is about us, even though I would say our personalities twinkle very much indeed. <laughs> the next thing I'd love to share with you is that the sun, also a star, is around 4.5 billion years old. That's not young, I'll tell you that much. I bet you could figure that out on your own, though, couldn't you? <laughs> you don't have to be a star to know that. <laughs> Nikki, what's the closest star to Earth other than the sun? The closest star to Earth, other than the Sun, is called Proxima Centauri. Proxima Centauri. I know it sounds like the name of a car, but it's really not. You're right. That does kind of sound like the name of a car. Proxima Centauri. It's about 4.22 light years from Earth. So tell us, what is a day like in the life of a star? Mmm. Oh, well, Brian, thank you so much for asking about my personal details. I don't mind telling you that the question you might want to think about asking me is, what was your life like in the day of a star? Which is to say, when you're looking at me, you're looking at a day in my life many, 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 many years ago. So, depending on how far away a star is from you, that's about how far into the star's past you are seeing. For example, if I'm 3.3 light years away from you, I can tell you that 3.3 years ago, you know, I woke up, uh, had a craving for uh, like a cronut, um, and then uh, probably sang some songs to myself. I'm very musical. But um, it's, it's in my past. So when you say what's a day in the life, I say what was a day in the life? But whatever the year, whenever you're seeing me, I can tell you I'm very likely to have read part or all of A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lingle. That is uh, one of your Earth authors. She wrote this beautiful book, A Wrinkle in Time, in which one of the protagonists, Mrs. Watsit, in fact was a star. And so I feel very represented when I read A Wrinkle in Time, and I think uh, she was quite an heroic character. You notice I said an heroic. That's the correct way of saying it. And I just think she's marvelous. So I read Madeline Lingle's A Wrinkle in Time to feel close to another famous star, Mrs. Watsit. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, there are tons of stars in that movie. I mean, Mrs. Watsit's played by Reese Witherspoon, but then you got Oprah, you got Chris Pine, you got Mindy Kaling. Oh, Brian. Nikki. Thank you so much for joining us this week for Did You Know? Well, thank you again for having me. This has been such a treat. I don't usually get to engage with humans so close up. So this has been a real pleasure. I've learned a little bit about you, too, even though I pretty much talked about myself the whole time. <laughs> thank you so much. Always nice to check in with Nikki the Star. And wouldn't you know it, this week's activity is all about our closest star, the sun. First, we have a reading assignment for everyone. To learn about the sun, we invite you to read The Secret Life of the Sun. Just visit the link in our show notes for the Adler Planetarium's website to find out more. And if you're feeling particularly artistic this week, and we loved your drawings of planet Earth last week, create a drawing of the sun and email it to reachthepodcast at gmail.com or tag us on Twitter or Instagram at reachthepodcast. I'm definitely drawing a picture of the sun, and it's going to go on our fridge, Brian. That's ironic. Is it? <laughs> 
It is. Why? Because sun hot and, and fridge, fridge cold. cold. Well, that's all the time we have this week for Reach, a space podcast for kids. You know, Meredith, I learned a lot this week. So did I. I learned that if I start to jump into a black hole feet first, my toes will start to turn into spaghetti. And maybe if I pull them out fast enough, I'll walk around with spaghetti toes. Also, our guest made a lot of great recommendations for online resources, which are also available in our show notes. As always, we want to acknowledge that not everyone has access to computers or the internet. If you're not able to get online, did you know that many local libraries have publicly available internet access? Good to know. Above all, if there's one thing I'll keep in mind from this week's episode, it's that there's no danger of us getting sucked into a black hole anytime soon. Which is great, because that was really wearing on me. I actually didn't know there were two different types of black holes, so now I've got that. Thanks for joining us for Reach, a space podcast for kids. We're your hosts, Meredith Stepien and Brian Holden. This episode of Reach was written by Sandy Marshall with Nate DeFort, Meredith Stepien, and Brian Holden. Reach is produced by Sandy Marshall and Nate DeFort and edited by Nate DeFort. Our theme song and additional music was composed by Jesse Case. Our logo was created by Stephen Lyons. And we'd like to offer a very special thanks to Dr. Geza Juk, Director of Astronomy at the Adler Planetarium. To learn more about the Adler Planetarium, visit adlerplanetarium.org. Nikki the Star was played by the amazing Janet Varney. You may know Janet as the voice of Korra from Nickelodeon's The Legend of Korra, or from her podcasts The JV Club and Voyage to the Stars. You can find them both wherever podcasts are available. Meredith and I were so excited to have Janet on because we're huge Legend of Korra fans, and I will never forget that last moment of Season 3. Wow, what great television! And big thanks this week to our Reach Learning community for the excellent questions and thought starters. Thanks, Blythe. Do you have a space-related question that we didn't get to? Well, you're in luck. Along with our main episodes of Reach, we'll be sharing shorter episode segments called Reaching Out, where we answer your questions. Last week's was all about the sun. Sounds like the sun is a hot topic. Big time. If you have a question about anything related to space, get your parents' permission and give us a call at 312-248-3402. All you have to do is leave us a message with your first name, where you're from, and your question for a chance to be featured in an upcoming episode. We can also accept your questions via email. Just send us your first name, where you're from, and what question you'd like answered to reachthepodcast at gmail.com. If there's one thing I've always wondered, it's, is there pizza in space? Well, Brian, the first pizza in space was delivered in 2001 on a resupply rocket to the International Space Station. Wow, I hope they gave the pizza delivery person a big tip. Right. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to tell your friends and leave us a rating and review on your podcast player of choice or share an episode on social media. Speaking of social media, you can find Reach on Twitter and Instagram at Reach the Podcast or on our website at www.reachthepodcast.com. Follow us for a peek behind the scenes and updates on the show. Reach is a production of Soundsington Media, committed to making quality programming for young audiences and the young at heart. For more information on our shows and the people behind them, go to www.soundsingtonmedia.com. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. 
You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now.